0: Hi everyone, this is the Shop Still Podcast, episode 3, season 3, and I'm joined by three very cool people tonight. The first, of course, is Joey Chalk from King Post Timberworks. Joey, how are
1: you? I am excellent now that I am in the cool category. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we've also
0: got Brian Cush from Sawdust Bureau. Brian, how's it going? I'm really good, Robin. How are you up there? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad, thank yeah. you. And my name is... Still is in a Lewis. singlet, eh? Hey? Still in the singlet, um, all the way up north. We kind of just, I think we just miss out on on winter. That's just the way life goes. (laughs) And finally, our guest for tonight is an incredible woodworker. Her name is Alexandra Pontonio, all the way from Melbourne. Um, Alex has a healthy list of awards and press pieces, and tonight we'll be talking about some of that. So, welcome to the show. Great to have you, Alex. How are you this evening?
2: Um, Feeling good.
0: Good, good. That's always a good start. Um, so we've had guests on the show before and, and what always works is just to get a, a bit of a background of, I guess, where you've come from in terms of your woodworking career and uh, what led to this point. One one of the things that I, I really like to hit on is for anyone listening who's trying to get to a position where you are, what were some of the decisions that you made that you think really helped
2: Cool. Um, So I started off um, my journey probably in 2014 um, and I made the decision in 2013 that um, being a woodworker is what I wanted to do. Um, And that decision um, happened as I was pulling apart. um, We did a big road trip around Australia and I was pulling apart our alternator to try and get the vac pressure working better. And my partner was just like, just become a mechanic because <laughs> um, I was a little bit lost at the time and he's just like you just love fixing things you love working with your hands like I don't you know um I just think you should be a mechanic and I, I, I replied to him I was like uh now nah, I'll be a woodworker and he was really confused <laughs> um, a natural it,
0: pivot from mechanics to woodworking <laughs> mechanics. of course I mean
2: <laughs> yeah yeah um but that had that a little seed was planted for me in high school. Um, I was quite good at woodworking and had an excellent teacher. Um, And I just sort of left it behind there and then, yeah, picked it up again maybe ten years after that. Um, Yeah. And so the way I started my journey was to go to university. Uh, That's the only way I knew how to get education. Um, having already done a degree. Um, and the, the course I did was at RMIT in Melbourne, um, and it's a two year course. So it's sort of, it looked like a accomplishable task or underdoing, undertaking. Um, and that was a great course. I got a little bit frustrated, um, Maybe at the end of my first semester, I went to my teacher, and I was just like, it's just I'm not learning enough. I just wanted an apprenticeship. This is all too <laughs> conceptual. Um, and I was sort of frustrated with the course, and he said, "Well, what do you want to learn?" And I said, "I want to be a good woodworker." And he said, "Well, start designing in a way that you'll um, gain the skills that you want." And then I did start to build um, things that i wanted to learn into my designs and that's kind of what i've continued to do that's Um, cool yeah Mm.
0: that that sounds very much joey like your your story as well you were (laughs) you were along the same lines um
1: that that really rang a bell with me because essentially uh i I told the story long ago but i'll quickly go over it is that um when i kind of hung the sign on the wall to say, okay, now I'm open for business. I kind of turned around and looked at my workshop and thought, shit, I don't know how to make all sorts of things. What if someone (laughs) asked me for this thing? (laughs) And so I said, right, I better learn how to make cabriolet legs. Let's go do that. And that's what I did. And then I ended up getting all these jobs where I make bloody cabriolet legs. And um, yeah, it's an interesting thing where you just, like, put yourself into a bit of a corner and say, well, I need to put this feature into my work and that's it, that's what you get.
0: Mm. So so Alex, you, you say you, you were, in the, the beginning of that story, you were fixing an alternator. <laughs> have you come from a background of no. trade? No. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't know where to start with an alternator and you just sort of threw that in like you were just fixing yeah, it. Yeah,
2: I just, um, I have a habit of pulling apart things that don't work and we were having a lot of trouble we, we were driving a, um, a 1980s Land Cruiser um, down the west coast of Australia and we were losing pressure in our brakes um, and in the particular car it's a diesel engine. I don't know heaps about mechanics but the alternator creates a vacuum pressure and that assists the brakes and uh, we were at
0: Yeah, that's news to me Yeah, I could
2: get it completely wrong You might have mechanics call up and just be like She doesn't know what (laughs) she's
0: talking about You could be telling us the biggest stories ever And we could all just believe you
2: Um, But there was sort of nothing we could do about it Um, And I was at a caravan park and I was talking to a guy And he's just like, oh, just pull it apart and just give it a clean And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, just take it out, take the top off, give it a clean I was like, okay and so I did it. And I sort of assumed that if I got something wrong, he'd sub in and help help out. But yeah, my partner was just, he just thought I was hilarious because I was just, I just had the confidence to start pulling apart the yeah. car. Mm. It's funny
3: you say that. I reckon there is a logic, especially in kind of cars of that era. Mm-hmm. Mm. There's a sort of a troubleshooting logic. I actually had something very, very similar happen to me before I got into woodworking. Yeah, um, see, this was the spark. I, I was, <laughs> it's so funny you said it. I was um, in Africa and we were driving an old Toyota in Malawi and the alternator broke. And all these local bush mechanics were trying to work out how to fix the alternator. And I was trying to think about, geez, how does an alternator work? And eventually I worked out that one of the magnets had lost its charge. Mm. Right. so we went in. well the guys went to a scrap yard and found all these extra spare magnets and we replaced the magnet but yeah it is, it is the kind of thinking that really benefits somebody in a woodworking job I think like the problem solving that you have to do even when it's your own machinery and equipment and stuff if something breaks you've got to find a way to fix it because well, I can't afford to pay anybody to come into my workshop to fix machinery and I would assume most people are in the
2: same position mm, I spend a lot the- Uh, far too much time fixing the machines at our workshop than I should (laughs) because we have a technician to do it but I get so um caught up in it
3: (laughs) tell tell us about your workshop
2: okay yeah um so I'm at the Victorian Woodworkers Association and I think you've had a couple of tenants uh on the show already um I've been there for I'm going to say a year and a half but it's probably longer Um, But but COVID
3: probably took a fair bit out of that.
2: Last year was a time warp, I can't Mm. (laughs) can't quantify it, Um, and yeah, there's six of us at the moment, so it's really pumping, Um, a really great vibe. We all have, actually don't know, I, I went back and listened to a few of your podcasts and you're all talking about the size of your shops and stuff, and I have no idea about what space looks like on a floor scale. Um, I'm gonna say three by four meters. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, not too much. Not too much, but then we have a shared work sh- uh, machine shop, and yeah. we we have benches that we can break out into, which is shared with the school. Um, but as long as we clear up that space by the end of the day, so there's a lot of pulling things out and putting things back. Um,
0: so three by four, what is in your workshop then? Because that is, that is. is that,
2: I mean, it's not tiny. Three, it's it seems probably three smaller, and a half it's not by four. One. Um a big one. I just have a crappy bench that I don't use as my workbench. I, I use it more for storage. And then all my, all my stuff. <laughs> and then um at the moment i've got a couple of saw horses and uh i'm doing a a 2.3 meter dining table so i sort of have the timber for that laid out in the middle of my shop but i'm sort of using the area more as storage or or like where i hang my tools and put put my stuff and then i break out to the the other benches to to do my day and my day work
1: Hey, so are you there every day, all day now,
2: um, making, I, I, making sawdust? I am making lots of sawdust. Um, I'm pretty much there every day. I've got a little um, part-time gig. Um, I'm actually, I asked them today, I went in um, and asked if I could announce it, but I'm doing some product design for Timbercon, which mm-hmm. is a retailer in, in Melbourne and we're designing a range of hand planes um wow which we started kind of in maybe february last year and then lockdown happened and all the things happened um but yeah i've been developing a range of planes and i think we're on number four so i yeah
1: Uh, uh are these going to be cast iron, or these small, yeah, like, something HNT Gordon No,
2: they're cast. They're cast. Um, wow. Yeah, they just decided That's to awesome. take it on themselves. And, yeah, at, at the <laughs> um, I when I was approached, they asked me, like, oh, you know how to do CAD, don't you? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I know how to do CAD. <laughs> um, and I had a bit of a background. Uh, I learned it at uni. Um, but... Yeah, it's been a huge learning journey. It's been really exciting. I also knew very little about hand tools. Um, And I, I, you know, I presented with a full disclaimer and they said, oh, we like that you haven't got any biases and you don't think you know everything.
1: That's interesting. Yeah. (laughs) I was just thinking, uh, I was just thinking, I don't know where I would start if someone said, can you design a plane? Because I don't even know if I can think of a, a way that, presumably you're not trying to reinvent the wheel but um there's going to be a certain amount of uh, uniqueness to it i imagine
2: well it's there's not a huge i've definitely come up we're doing like it's a a low angle range Mm -hmm. um and there's to be honest like in terms of the technology there's not heaps i'm sure there's a lot you could do but it's a case of you know the whole idea of not reinventing the wheel it's been Mm. done a certain way because it's technology that really works so the uniqueness will come from i mean it being designed in melbourne um we've come up with all our own shapes um we've you know we've done all ergonomics and the handles and everything are are unique to us Um, that's cool yeah it's been really exciting and there's a few little features that we've you know, obviously added in through observing and finding things that don't work. Um, yeah.
1: I, I feel like we could talk about this for a whole another hour by <laughs> yeah, itself. I but know. But <laughs> no. So
2: what, what are the lead times, Alex? Like, well,
3: how long is it going to take before you have prototypes back?
2: Or? We've got prototypes.
3: you wow. got prototypes? Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. It's been really great. Uh, it was just amazing getting the block plane and starting to use it. And I'm using it every day and I love it and um i was just previously using like a record you know old school yep. blue record um, which i i liked um but yeah the the block planes it's just pretty exciting to to be working with it and,
1: that's cool hmm.
2: i saw
0: on your website you've got under i think it was under your press or um some of the news there was a picture of you with timbercon so you've obviously done work with them in the past?
2: A little bit, yeah. I um, They put me on the front of their cover one year. <laughs> um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, but, it was a cover yeah. picture. Yeah, uh, And then they just asked me back, why, why was I in the store? Oh, they got me to do videos for um, Bessie Clamps. They just contacted me out of the blue because they always like to get makers involved yeah
0: well i've Um, just finished um doing some videos for them as well for the pony Jorgensen clamps that they've just released yeah
2: i just went on your insta and i saw that you were one of their ambassadors
0: yeah that's the one yeah Yeah. so it is it is very cool i think it it's a it's a very cool win-win situation for them you know we get you know uh, some promo they get some free promo it works really well and it's in the and i mean I i would assume it's this it's the same in most of these sorts of industries as soon as you can build up that community feel amongst your Mm. people involved people gravitate to it you know as soon as you Mm. you go you try and be above that you just turn people off so quickly so they they, they're really nurturing that which is amazing
2: Mm. i find them yeah they're just fun to work with they're easy and they don't uh i could have felt really intimidating stepping into that space and trying to navigate hand tools and stuff but they just. Supportive. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: So I have a I have a bone to pick.
2: Yep. And go. that is about <laughs> what? and that is
0: about your your bookcase. Yes. That uh, you entered into the Wood Review and, and stole my position. Oh. Because um, I tried really hard and now I can see why I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I really tried pick. hard and didn't win. <laughs> um, I hope you didn't hear that episode where he was bad mouthing you. You know.
2: Yeah, and this person came in and put bookends in a shelf.
0: (laughs) What what a cool piece though! Hey, wow, those I I I really I don't now I've never built a bookshelf like that, Um, but the idea of those bookends being removable I I don't know if that's revolutionary, but I think it's pretty cool. They are they are removable, right?
2: Yeah, they just slide in and out, and then you can replace them with a flat one. So in theory you could you know mine are very kind of strategically placed and i actually just spoke to my clients and i was like what do you want to put and where and then i made it look a bit nicer than what they said yeah. um yeah. but yeah in theory you could have them all like lined up and then change it yeah it's a yeah
0: it's a very very cool piece <laughs> with the so for, for everyone listening it's a um what's the best way to describe it it's got One, two, three, four, five, six shelves, including the top. Um, It's a very light design, I'd call it. What's the the legs? What size is that? They look square Uh, stock.
2: They're not square. They're actually tapered. So they follow the same um, taper as the dovetail, eight Mm -hmm. degrees. (laughs) Um, And so they sort of they um, fade backwards. So the widest point at the front. And so it gives it a very light look. Mm. Does that make sense? Um, I think they were like 32 millimeters, maybe. Because it's quite the tall. The golden 32. It's <laughs> 1.8 meters, I think. Yeah. I can't remember. I've actually built a really big one since. Oh, it's a different design, um, which I just haven't put the photos out yet. But I can't remember. No, it's been a long time <laughs> since I built that one.
0: And the timber that you're using?
2: Uh, Blackwood and Victoria Nash. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Keeping it local. <laughs> nice.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful. It's such a cool piece. Okay. Um with these types of pieces, one yeah. of the things that we talk about on the show quite often is is the quoting process. Mm. You know, what to do, how to go about it. Joey's got some amazing clients and stories about clients that we won't get into today because <laughs> they generally end in, in the rant um, <laughs> but in terms of your quoting process, I are you quite strict in the way you work or is it very much just just take it as it comes
2: (laughs) i'm so trying to figure it out and i'm hoping this kind of question wouldn't come (laughs) up um so the i'm really bad at the business and i'm still really finding my feet um so for years i've always had a part-time hustle so although i've been sort of engaged in the woodworking and the scene potential, you know, seen inverted commas, um, for quite a few years, I actually haven't done that much because I've always just treated it like my, my part-time hustle. Um, but COVID forced me to, well, it got rid of my job. I was working at the university (laughs) (laughs) and there were no Mm. more students. So I was a technician in the workshop teaching students how to use tools. Um, and there were no more workshops or tools. So I did the famous pivot, the COVID pivot. (laughs) Um, and now like, so for the last year or so, I've been taking woodworking as more of a full-time pursuit. Um, so quoting that piece, I tried to add up all my hours, um, (laughs) and I went through each step, um, and I, you know, terribly underestimated um but <laughs> I stayed I stayed true to my quote so I don't want to ever t- charge yeah. people more or trying to explain that it took longer than I thought it would um and since then I have I have a new approach which is do my design think about how much I think I'd be comfortable l- walking away with it and that's kind of where I'm at at the moment yeah yeah, Even, that's, but that's underquoting as well, <laughs> as it turns well, out. Well, yeah,
1: it can and it can be.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's certainly one way to do it. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, and so then I build... Sorry, I build... That, that's what I think the build is worth. And that takes into account... Like, I am... There is a bit of... You know, there's more than just what I feel good about. It's... I, I take into yeah. account my overheads and my consumables and, you know, try and guess how many weeks or months it's going to take um and then i will give the client an option about materials and just add that straight like whatever they they go for with timber that gets added to the the price
1: yeah i think um labor is always going to be the biggest killer because typically like let's say you're dealing with a dining table Mm. unless you're dealing with some super rare timbers it's not going to break the bank. The amount of timber you use is not going to be outrageous mm. um, compared to the amount of hours that you're going to put into it. Mm. Um, so I've always been a pretty firm believer in uh, really knuckling down and how, really trying to figure out how long it actually takes to make a thing. And at the start, what I did was when I did my first few projects, every time I did a job that was quite different from the last, I'd actually have a pen and paper in the workshop and say right it took me 15 minutes to change the blade on the saw mark it down and and Mm -hmm. it's going to take me 20 minutes to actually machine a piece of timber down and then you can kind of have you end up with a kind of a list of actual times it takes to do stuff not just what you think because it's Mm -hmm. often quite different and then when it comes to quoting something you can kind of just look up at your list and go well It takes me, on average, 15 minutes to dress one piece of timber down and I've got 40 pieces here, so it's a pretty easy math to do. Mm. Um, And and it gets you really close to what the actuals are actually going to be.
2: And is that working out for you? Is that what you do now?
1: Well, I I did that at the start and I've changed my quoting process quite a bit since then. Um, I still go through, in my head, I mentally build the project and write like, how long does it take me to go and pick up the timber? An hour and a half. How long does it take me to mill this timber up? I've got this much. I think it's going to be about an hour. How long is it going to take me to screw this box together? And I, I kind of have all my... Um, each process down as a, a time for each job. So I have a pretty good idea um, how about, long it's going to take.
2: Where are those sorry? sneaky unknowns that come in? You're like, ah, oh, so that particular bookshelf piece, I thought I could cut... Um, So the the uprights are notched into the shelves, and they are notched in at the same angle, so eight degrees, like little Mm -hmm. triangles with the tops cut off. And I was like, "Yep, I'll set the saw up. I'll flip it over. I'll get two angled cuts. I'll clean it out with chisel." And then I went to put on my saw, and it's too long to cut both ways on the saw.
1: So they go by hand. So then I did them
2: (laughs) all by hand. Um, I did them with a router template, but even still, it took me so long. And then I realized I wouldn't be able to put the uprights in because it's notched. The shells had to go in and drop down. So I had to undercut under each of those notches on an angle. Yeah, and I think...
1: So. Yeah, that is really specific. But um,
2: for one, like, oh. to answer
1: your first, to answer your first question, like that that case of oh, it's not going to fit in the saw for whatever yeah. particular reason. I think there's two answers. That's um, for the for your current saw, you now know that that kind of joinery yeah. is going to be handwork. Yeah. But you never know what happens in the future. You might get a, a different kind of saw or be have available a different kind of tool, which would actually make that. Mm. be more machinable Um, but yeah, my first thought was well, you just got to make yourself a jig um, (laughs) and and route them as much as you can out but those kind of unknowns are what happen to me all the time because it's the first time you've done that kind of work and you just got to make that mental note or even a physical note and say right if I ever do something like that again I'm doubling the amount of time (laughs) it takes to make that particular part of it and that's just a really good big learning curve that you have to do
2: yeah I sort of, I, I like, Brian, your work. Um, you obviously do one-offs, but you have a few products. And I don't know, I kind of see, the more I like I haven't actually made that many pieces. Um, yeah. But I'll be able to build these details into new pieces and you sort of yep. can then quantify your time because you, you remember yeah. what it took or you know the process. That's right
1: yeah
0: enjoy yeah. that's really why. experienced i mean you you are what's that many, you're pretty experienced at this point you are many many years into woodworking so you've i I would imagine just from what you've been saying Alex you guys are in very different places so it's mm. you you're almost expected to be making those mistakes now to get to the the experience and uh in terms of the clients that you are working with are they um people you know or are they just people getting in contact with you uh
2: the last clients i had um they just got in contact with me they'd seen the sideboard i designed for manapan um and they liked it i think they saw it in a magazine um but he knew someone who knew me um so i'm finding and my current clients they're a friend of a friend so i'm finding that people come to me through word of mouth, but yeah, because perfect. they want my work, which is nice.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. Re, 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 rewind a little bit to the Manapan thing. Yeah, yeah. Got to yeah sorry, sorry.
2: <laughs> um, so I designed a sideboard for um, a company that is based um, up in Arnhem Land. Um, and uh, it's being produced just, by... Just
3: pause. So for non, non-Australians, Arnhem Land <laughs> yeah. is like probably one of the most remote regions in Australia. In the a world. Fairly limited, <laughs> fairly limited road access. Uh, a lot of the communities are just, they have an airstrip or a, a, a jetty or something that they get their supplies in. So to set a furniture company up there. Yeah. Bloody <laughs> hell, that must have been hard.
2: Yeah. So the guy who founded it, um, Mark White, he... He had a background in joinery and had built, you know, from a backyard kind of garage setup, up, had built a big joinery company. Um, they do a lot of commercial fit-outs like uh, in um, like department store sort of joinery fit-outs and they're based here and they do work in China um, and he sort of came to the realisation that he had a really fruitful career and wanted to do a really – a project that was good and could give back um, – and so he got on board with this uh, organization called uh, ALPA, and they're called the Arnhem Land Progress. I should know this better. <laughs> <laughs> Pro- <laughs> ALPA Association. Um, right. Anyway, they, they they help create um, sustainable business models in Indigenous community, and they partnered up and they created this project to create high-end furniture um, in very, very remote um, Arnhem Land. It's on an island, and all the supplies come in and out, like um, Brian said, um, on a barge. And they train um, locals and give them um, qualifications through the program. Awesome. Yeah. And you designed did a you piece get, that is going to, to be go a mess. And... Two questions at once
3: right, <laughs> did you get to go up and visit
2: i haven't been up um i was hoping to go up last year and so there's from a little bit from what i understand um gender is a it's a, a difficult um to work with your opposite gender um there's women's business mm-hmm. and men's business um mm-hmm. and probably other businesses, but. Uh, they really wanted me to go up and try and encourage some of the women to come into the workshop and it would be a women's space. um but COVID, (laughs) happened um and it's yeah but COVID. i might i might actually try and uh, my partner's from um the nt so we do go up to darwin and we're going up in august so maybe i'll try and organize something but i i didn't feel i wasn't sure i never got a proper invite as well so i wasn't sure whether i was allowed to just rock up it's yeah it's a pretty small place
0: <laughs> one of the pictures that i saw was from the block yeah <laughs> i always get the block and house rules mixed up um i feel like i'm gonna make some enemies saying that yeah. but now was that piece of yours on the show
2: yes so oh, that's awesome yeah the um manapan has a showroom in south yara and the block went to the showroom and um Bought it and put well. One of some of the contestants did and put it in their in their house. So it was on TV. It was on telly.
0: Yeah. So you made it. That's it.
2: I know. I know. That's why I thought I'd you know pack it up and go home.
1: <laughs> this, this is why we got you on the show, Alex. <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah. you're basically you're a <laughs> superstar. <rude>.
2: Exactly.
1: <laughs> um, this piece you're talking about is this is this the side table slash bookcase um, where you essentially have the dowel going through the plywood
2: no no it's a sideboard it's a big timbre sideboard oh that one yes right shaped legs
1: yeah yeah that's that's a very nice piece so can we talk about the the bendy dowel through the plywood piece yeah i'm not sure what it's called what do you call that piece i
2: call it I, got I wish name. that was the
1: name that would be such yeah, a, such a roll Dali. off the tongue name
2: um, it's called Ondale and Ondale means right. wave and then I was living Again. somewhere and we were like Ondale um. so <laughs> for, for people who haven't
1: seen it I want to give it as my most awful description of, of it essentially you've got like a three or four shelf book shelf yep. where the supports for the shelf go through the shelf And instead of underneath it and each shelf is like it's being it's like it looks to me like um, like earth after an earthquake which is just kind of (laughs) bending around uh, something solid Um, and uh, uh, presumably you've either made your own plywood or steam bent some plywood somehow in a pretty tight curve around what appears to be a dowel but I actually think you've made your own Rounded it off your own square stock or something. It's the
2: magic 32, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. 31.8, 31. 31.8. 31.
1: <laughs> yes. Cause I've got, I've got a, quite a lot of experience in bending plywood. I started making skateboards when I was 13 oh. and um, it looks like you've made your own plywood. Is that what yes. you did or?
2: I did, yeah. You did. Um, so the, yeah, that was the last piece I made at uni. Um, and that was build what you want to learn in your piece, right. yep. <laughs> um, and I awesome. wanted to learn about ply. Um, I was really inspired by like the mid-century bent, bent lamination stuff. Um, and I made a form, a CNC cut form and I worked out, you know, cause I know a little bit of CAD, mm-hmm. I worked out my radius, my radii. Um, and so I, I did a lot of tests. And figured out how tight I could get could That's get awesome. it because
1: um, i i I was trying to figure out how you made it, and then I stumbled across a picture of you bloody, trying to glue up mm-hmm. the shelf in place around mm-hmm. the supports. yeah and that I was, was like, a... <laughs> what a crazy idea
2: <laughs> yeah, and i i'm I'm glad this has come up because um I kind of like. So we were talking about working at the VWA and it's, it's excellent. And I'm learning so much, you know, I'm working with some really good makers around me and I'm learning so much about the rules of woodwork and I've got my, um, furniture making encyclopedia and I'm, you know, <laughs> getting all the things, but I, I've, I'm, I am in mean, the creativity is still there. I, I really like to explore yeah. form and shape, but that piece I would never do that now. There's just so many things that are wrong with it, um, from a yeah. technical point of view. Um, but it works and it's still like, I've never put heavy books on it <laughs> and I don't think I ever will. Um, but it, it's really like, I mean, I think I did that in 2016. So what are we, seven years? Is that right? Yeah. No, four, five, six, yep. <laughs> six years, five years, five years. Two thousand one, yeah. Sorry, yeah, not yep. Not two thousand. Sorry, two thousand and twenty one. <laughs> Where are we? <laughs> We're not mathematicians.
0: <laughs> no. Yeah,
2: we just do maths every day on a regular basis. <coughs> um yep. Yeah, um yeah. So it's still it's still holding up, and yeah, there's just so many things that are technically wrong with it. Like I use PVA.
1: <laughs> what? There's something wrong. Oh, to laminate
2: it. Yeah, to laminate it.
1: That's what's that's what skateboards are made out of. That's, oh, that's how they good. do it. Yeah, yeah but they're they supposed think... to be flexible. <laughs> They, well yeah yeah they yeah. do add a catalyst to make it go off faster so they only press skateboards for about yeah. 30 minutes but
2: um, where were you when i was making this i have so well, many
1: questions <laughs> <laughs> no PVA is awesome yeah yeah um i i, I love the how you um i've had clients want a similar detail where you've got a dowel kind of a dowel leg that bends across and becomes becomes the horizontal support for the shelf. Mm-hmm. And your idea just to have a simple, uh, what is it, a, what, a through or a bridle, bridle joint, joint, essentially, yep. and then you've rounded it off and just cut yep. the corner off and made it look like a bent dowel. I mean, that's just so simple but genius, and mm. I never would have thought to do that because mm. it's too obvious. Mm. But it, it look, it's, it's so nice having that simple exposed joinery on a, a curved surface I yes. think that's
2: mm-hmm. I was awesome. pretty fortunate with that detail because um, a guy I was studying with was just really into the router at the time and he was exploring a lot and he, sh- he taught me heaps right. um, but he was yeah he was just super experimental and he just kept rounding I- anything he could, he still does he, his stuff's <laughs> beautiful but he just rounds everything and
0: yeah. <laughs> just got this image of a man walking through town with a router <laughs> in his <laughs> back pocket just yeah. rounding over everything he
3: comes to. <laughs> <He's
2: like,
0: laughs> I was just yeah. gonna say that's that was the
3: that was the first piece that I ever saw of yours. Mm. And I remember you being paranoid as all hell if somebody asked to buy it. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> about, about the the, the uh, plywood either delaminating or yeah. the whole thing just uh sagging over time. Yeah. So it's it's good to hear it.
2: I've never sold one either. I told so. you.
3: I, I told you it wouldn't sag,
1: though. You did, how, you did. How thick? How thick is the top and bottom layer? Yeah, like 12, together? Twelve. Twelve
2: mil. So, so six. And oh, six.
1: right. So it's is twenty-four mil when it no,
2: two no. In the middles.
1: No, That's twelve mil total.
2: Yeah, twelve. And the that span is, is what a meter? Uh, just under, which is where I think it works.
1: I, I don't think that's going to go anywhere.
2: Mm. Yeah.
1: Especially with the the, amount of and you still got it in your
3: house, Alex.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's in my front. It's in my front door. It's my hallway table. Uh, There's two of them. Uh, I made so I um, I had to exhibit in two places at one time, and so I I was picked up um, from my grad show. I was picked up by Craft Victoria to be in their um, fresh exhibition, which is like a graduate showcase for Victorian uni graduates. Um, and they, at the same time, I was asked to exhibit it in Milan, um, at the furniture fair with Melbourne movement.
1: That's ridiculous. Yeah.
2: And so I had to quickly make another one, which I (laughs) did. Um, and yeah, so there's two, the first one just lives at uni. It's very wobbly. Wonk. It's not wobbly. It's just very wonky.
1: I love that piece. I, I would have thought you would have sold a hundred of them by now.
2: Yeah, I'm not great at marketing. I think. <laughs>
1: no, fair enough. I can see, like, definitely the way you made you the way you've made it is super time-consuming, having to laminate it together um, in situ. Um, did you conceive of laminating the shelves up and finishing them, and then finishing the frame, but f- yeah. having it dry fit? And then slide the frame through the holes in the shelves and then just glue it together.
2: Yeah, I actually have come up with a few solutions. So um, it's actually quite a producible piece. And I did speak to a um, plywood manufacturer about it, but I just never really i don't know I've, over just, it. I've just yeah, never
1: you're over it you're
2: onto bigger better i would do it i mean i've seen like some similar looking things around on instagram since so i've right. kind of let it free um mm. but i
0: <laughs> there's one for you brian <laughs>
2: have you, have you seen brian some loves it thing? when
0: people borrow ips he yeah. loves it
2: yeah. Mm. um yeah i don't know i uh, it's a tough one. It breaks my heart every time. But I I think when I met Brian as well, that piece... Uh, oh, I'll just go back to the technical aspects of it. I was asked in Milan by a marble company to make it out of marble. And, Wowzers. Yeah. Um, and that never happened. Um, so to
3: make the entire piece out of marble? No,
2: they wanted to make timber frame with the... Um, shelf wow. out of marble. That and would look stunning. Huh? It would, and they were. Oh it was gosh. like a bathroom range. Um, and I sent them all my drawings and stuff, and I just never heard back. And I followed up a few times, but I don't know. And, and
1: now they've sold a thousand of them. Now, yeah, no, I, say, I keep my good.
2: eye. I keep my eye on it. <laughs> um, they, they haven't. They kind of haven't released anything since. So maybe they they stopped producing right. products. They they were mostly like a marble distributor. And then they had product range. Um, So I did come up with a solution and yeah, that was, I think the timber was going into pipe and then it was fixed underneath with um, like fastenings and that Mm -hmm. could work. Um, Mm -hmm. The other thing was when I actually designed that piece, it was supposed to be a flat pack because basically all my furniture is flat pack (laughs) um, by accident. Um, So the bookshelf's actually pretty much a flat pack too, the one. Uh, Yeah. Except the cabinet. But the rest all folds down, um, uh, and so the shelves were supposed to come in two parts, and they had a insert um, mm. threaded into it. Yeah. And then that's they were cool. going to fix onto the frame, but I ran out of time, so that's why we just glued it all together. That's
1: a cool solution, though. Actually, mm. yeah, really simple.
2: Mm. Yeah. So the fl- the fr- uh, the shelves closing over the. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what are you working on at the moment?
2: Um, I'm doing a dining table out of uh, Myrtle from the Otways, Old Myrtle which is lovely to work with
0: Anything exciting about it?
2: Um, Build what you want to learn <laughs> So I'm learning It's not, <laughs> I don't know I don't think anything I do is that exciting and then I put it out in the world and everyone's like, oh that's nice <laughs> um, sure. Not everyone, I'm sure not everyone um, It's it's got some pretty. Uh, it's got a nice detail around the leg. Um, I can't really describe it. It's got some bread <laughs> breadboard ends. I've never made those before. Cool. Um, yeah. First, it's my first big dining table.
0: Yeah, cool. So you said myrtle. Yep. Uh, what what type of myrtle?
2: Um, As in
1: Tasmanian myrtle?
2: No, it's Victorian. So it's from the from the Otways. Um, I got what
1: colour is that? I I've only really heard of the timber. I don't think I can recall seeing it anywhere.
2: Um, it's quite an orangey pink, and it has heaps of figure in it. So oh, wow. it's almost like the table is going to look like uh, almost like tie dye, like hyper colour. It's got like awesome. heaps of stuff going on. So the form needed to be quite simple, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but the clients chose the actual boards. They went into the timber yard wow. and chose the boards, which has been a fun process too.
3: Plus when they, when they pick it, you're like, not my fault. I
2: know, I'm like, that's got a big knot in it. I'm going to fill it with epoxy. No, it's
1: it. not your fault until you cut one piece like 100 mil short and then you're like, shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't need
3: to know that. Yeah. <laughs> Was it drummed into you at uni about using locally like locally sourced materials? Or is no, that
2: um, my background is in sustainability, so I have an enviro social science degree. Um, awesome. And, yeah, I just have to think of both in life, which is why I try and make my things as flat packable or repairable as possible um, mm. so that if a component breaks, it can be replaced. Um, That's and pretty smart. I, yeah, the local timbers, I mean, is a conflict, right? <laughs> None of them are FSC certified. And I don't know how great our logging practices are, um, but I, yeah.
3: I think we've had, we've had, uh, <laughs> had a few chat? different timber guys on the show okay. and they've completely undermined FSC as well. So. Okay. Yeah. It's like,
2: I think I learned that at need to, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um,
2: But yeah, I just try and be really scarce with my usage as well. I'm pretty, that's actually one thing I'm really good at quoting and figuring out is exactly how much timber I need. Hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. That's a really good skill to have going forward because um, if you're, like, at the moment, like, for example, American walnut is an outrageous price Mm. and um, you really need to know, like, just so you don't lose out, you Mm. need to know how much you're going to be spending on it.
3: Yeah. But, yeah, from from a sustainability perspective, I think you've nailed it. So it's that kind of fourfold thing of learning how to quote properly, minimizing waste. Mm. Lap packing, sourcing locally, and really good design as well. Like
2: mm.
3: creating things that don't date, mm. um, rather than just throwing crap out there. And yeah, it's a really, really um, well thought out sustainability practice. So it's obviously it shows what you've learned in in previous uh, previous education.
0: Mm. That's cool. It's, it reminds me of the conversation we had with Gem from Like Butter. Mm -hmm. where he was talking about how he had this like existential crisis about creating two products and one that lasted longer than the other and and he couldn't sleep at night with the fact that the one wouldn't last as long and it's such a cool way to to look at it because i think it's very easy to get into the the mindset of i'm just going to make the piece the client wants the piece i'm just going to make the piece and get it out the door make the the money Mm -hmm. and off you go so there was um on one of your your posts alex in on instagram you just got some new timber and you said something like, you know, thanks to the, the tree that made the timber for me. And it just, just, it kind of hints at what you're saying. It's this, this cool idea of, yeah, really respecting that, that timber and where it comes from. Mm. Do you ever work with recycled products?
2: No, I don't. The timber I'm using at the moment is um, salvaged. Like it's, yeah, it's from urban salvage. I think you've done a podcast on yeah. them before. Ooh, um, yeah. And that's the first sort of, it's kind of almost the gnarliest timber I've worked with. Um, but I think just the look of my work, I, I, I never say never, like if, if the time and place called. Um, but just sort of like the, I think, I think one thing I do try and achieve is like a certain sense of crispiness um, and, yeah, recycled stuff can it's got so much going on that you you can lose some details um when the timber asks you to look at it too much
0: as someone who's still doing this part-time and will you know hopefully Mm -hmm. eventually one day do this full-time all of my projects for myself i will make out of the recycled stuff because i've got heaps of stuff i've been Mm. collecting it for for years but as soon as a client comes along Mm. I'm out to the, the timber yard to get something because I know what I'm going to get. I can get more of it if I need. Yeah. And those are just all factors that when you're doing a client build, it, you, yeah, unless it's something really small, it yeah, it's it just seems like too much of a gamble, as much as it would be great. I've, I've got my own timber drying, but even that, because it's been air dried and I'm not particularly versed in it, it's too much risk for, for a client project.
1: It can be very daunting when you have... A finite supply of a of whatever it is, mm. and yeah. um, you need to suddenly start making big decisions about where you cut boards. Like I said before, suddenly you're a hundred mil short somewhere, and you know, well, I, there's no going back. Suddenly the table's just going to be shorter.
0: Yeah, one of the one of the um, projects I did a, a couple of years ago. Someone actually cut a tree down, had it milled up, sent it to me, sat in and under my house for two years. And then they said they wanted a, a project. A, a, it was a bookcase built out of it. And looking back on it, I think I must have had some, some giant nuts to take that on because <laughs> there was one tree. There was, there was yeah. no going out. It was also it was born by ash, which isn't an easy timber to get. Um, and yeah, there had to be that tree. And I had to, it, she basically wanted it as big as it could be with the with the timber so once i quoted on the sides there was no going back mm. but uh, so that was an experience all right so alex anyone looking for your your uh, furniture where can they find you
2: uh my website it's probably the best place and i have a form where people can contact me <laughs> um but Insta- Handy. <laughs> In- instagram i don't know yeah
0: we, uh, I'm not gonna try and spell the the website because I saw it once and there's a, a lot of it.
2: Yeah, I know. There's my name spelled wrong too. What? As in my parent? <laughs> my parents spelled my name wrong.
0: Oh uh, right.
2: Antonio, <laughs> <laughs> Pont- um, where?
0: What? where is that
2: that's a ta- that's it's Italian a, that part's right I so,
0: yeah <laughs> they got that bit yeah, right yeah it's
2: the Alexandra so it's a-l-e-x-s-a-n-d-r-a yeah. so jackpot s
0: yeah cool right so um Instagram and um the website yeah um for for anyone interested go have a look some of the the work on it is it's pretty spectacular so yeah all right i reckon we'll call the show there um so to everyone watching or listening i should say thanks very much um the shop podcast is available on most podcast apps and if you did enjoy the show we would really appreciate a rating on iTunes. that does help us out so joe and brian thanks again for hanging out and alex it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show thank you very much for stopping by and to everyone listening take care and we will see you in the next show see ya catch you later See you later.